everybody and welcome to the unscheduled CEO oh it is monday the 23rd of january 2023 and i'm back week 3 Week three of the Unscheduled CEO podcast. Welcome back and thank you for being here. Uh, yeah, last week's podcast created a lot of discussion, which is really, really cool. If you're just here for the first time, hello, my name is Jonathan. <laughs> uh, this is called the Unscheduled CEO, uh, pretty much like a behind the scenes of running a small business, a successful small business. And yeah, you're hearing directly from the CEO who the C he the CEO uh, the CEO who's running it uh, and it's sort of like a behind the scenes. The other thing important to know: this is not an edited podcast. It's pretty much like listening to a live stream. So, what does that mean? It means it's unedited, and it means that there's you know quiet, there's silences, there's uh, you know rambling. It's not edited to make it sound really great. Now. For anyone who's been listening the, uh, since episode one, you'll know the saga of the recording equipment. So right now, I am onto my second Rodecaster Pro 2, uh, which is the device that I'm recording this on. It's an amazing device. Like in theory, this device is so cool because basically it's an all-in-one recording studio. So everything you're hearing, all the effects, all the music... Literally everything is just coming from this one device. You don't even need a computer. So I do love that. You just hit the record button and you go. Uh, but the bad thing about it is that it seems to be like not really good when it comes to quality control. Um, <clears throat> and the first one was broken. I'm onto the second one. There's already some issues with it. Uh, but yeah, it's still allowing me to do this podcast in this way that I like, which allows me to be consistent and yeah, speaking of consistency, I didn't really want to do the podcast today because I'm tired because my daughter kept me up all night. Um, that naughty little nugget uh, decided tonight's the night to not sleep and constantly call you for uh, random things all night. And uh, I was very grumpy and tired today because I got about three hours sleep. But then you know what I thought about it and I was like, no, the whole point of this podcast is to be low commitment for me, low effort for me, but also to give you an authentic view behind the scenes of running a podcast. And it's not really authentic to always be awake and happy and excited. Um, today, I'm grumpy and pissed off and unfocused. And uh, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to record it anyway. And you know, I was like, oh, but I want to have a topic for this week and blah, blah, blah. Last week, was really, really focused compared to the first episode. And uh, a lot of people <laughs> were like, oh my God, that was so much better than the first episode. A lot of people. And in one way, that's cool. But in the other way, I need to reset expectations. This is me. 
this is my podcast and it's going to be fucking chaotic sometimes and uh i want it to be that way i want to enjoy doing it and if i have to stick to what other people want me to do then i'm just not going to enjoy it so this week will be a little bit more open-ended i also got like i don't know like 50 questions uh from you guys on the Substack. so if you're listening to this and you have questions or you want to comment or you want to interact with me there's a link in the description or just go to howtobusiness.substack.com click on this episode which is the most recent episode of the podcast and you can leave a comment and i will as you see i will read out your comment or read your question and answer it so that's the best way to interact with me i do not use social media anymore um so do that the other thing as well uh if this sounds slightly different again i probably should have listened back to this to see if it works well um I have no idea if this is working well, but I have a new microphone as well. I decided to splash out on a Assure SM7B, which is the fanciest podcast thing that all the podcasters have. You can see like pretty much every podcaster has this microphone. And the idea is it's supposed to sound very warm, very round and sensual. Well, it just has this really nice warm sound. Um, it's the one that like Joe Rogan and pretty much everyone else uses. I also, it, it feels like a really nice object. Um, the only thing is, uh, I'm in a room, I'm in a different room than I'm usually recording. Usually is a strong word considering this is the third episode, but the consulting team. So Jess and Ammer from the consulting team and, and, and an entire film crew are set up on the other side where I was doing my podcast the last few weeks um, they are recording a new corporate facilitation training program. And that means for the next week and then in a couple of weeks, uh, all of that space now looks like a film set. Um, yeah, this is, you know, we, we record these things on location in-house here at AJ and Smart. Uh, so yeah, a lot of stuff gets, it's actually a filming week in general. So we have the consulting team. And the workshopper team, the workshopper team being sort of the consumer facilitation team uh, recording on the other side. So I'm just here in a room called Area X, which is sort of like the, it actually looks kind of cool. I'll, I'll take a picture and I'll put it on the sub stack if you want to look how this room look, uh, see how this room looks. It just looks like a crazy uh, like workshop garage space, um, very chaotic, full of cables, full of cool things. Um, and I'm just sitting in here. Uh, I've been, I've been kicked out of the main area of the offices. You'll also hear, you'll probably hear background noise because people are working here. People are walking past. Um, people might be coming in and out to get their equipment. I'm just going to take a drink here. And, um, I'm drinking this, uh, vitamin well reload. I don't know. I'm just trying to drink and just trying to get like some energy. Uh, back into my body so uh since we last talked like i said the the biggest thing is um we or no this i didn't say this so the the biggest the first section of this podcast is always just sort of what's up and what's been happening and yeah last week we launched well after this podcast came out um uh, pretty much right after this podcast came came out we launched the facilitator club uh, and Facilitator Club is a, a group, basically a community that we launched um, last Monday. 
And right now, let's take a look how many people are in it. It's a free community for facilitators um, who are interested in facilitation as a job uh, for facilitators to come together and share and learn and network. Uh, there are 725 members since last Monday. Really, really cool to see that taking off and some really interesting people in there. You know, a mix of uh, people working at corporates, um, facilitators uh, who are individual facilitation consultants, and yeah, also AJ and Smart employees and ex-employees and all over the place, all over the place. Yeah, so 725 people. And uh, yeah, really, really cool to see that exploding and getting popularity. I think by the time we do this episode next week, we'll be up to a thousand because we haven't really pushed it so hard yet at AJ and Smart. Um, if you're interested in joining that, it's free. It's just if you go to facilitatorclub.com, you can check that out. Um, only do that if you're into facilitation. And I know that that's not what this podcast is about. But uh, yeah, that's by the way, you, you'll sometimes even hear me moving around on this chair. Let's see. I don't know if it's picking it up, but um, yeah, I'm not in the most comfortable position. I'm kind of hunched over. Uh, so sometimes I think I'll just pick this mic up so that I'm not too, yeah, I'm not too hunched over. Um, yeah, so Facilitation uh, Club launched. And this week coming up, uh, what we've been planning for is we are doing, I don't know if my team really wants me to talk about this. So I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, we are doing a large scale free training on Wednesday. You cannot, like, if you're listening to this, you cannot join this training because it's an invite only. Um, so not maybe super interesting to you in terms of joining it, but the just strategy behind it. We're doing a hopefully about 400 person training on Wednesday night. Uh, it's going to be, I think the name that we've settled on. Let's see. I have it here somewhere. Um, Go to Slack, see what Laura says. So she sent me a bunch of names. And I think I chose number four. The three secrets to building a successful facilitation career. So it's going to be like a one and a half hour free training that we're going to be doing uh, live streaming from the AJ and Smart office. And these free trainings, we've been doing this type of thing for years. You've probably even been in one of these free trainings. And for us, this doing a free training and giving value, giving like an hour and a half worth of value, doing a Q&A, this is how we basically sell things. And this is how we basically hype people up for things. Um, whereas most people will do like a landing page and a campaign and all this bullshit. We basically do a live training and we sell everything through the live training. An example of that is the retreat we ran last year, the workshop or retreat. Um, we ran that as a live training. We didn't, well, actually in, in that case, I did make a simple landing page. And in, in this case, we're not even doing that. Um, we're just, we just did a training and we sold pretty much all the tickets in that training. So it's like a mixture of a sales and, uh, live training event. Um, actually when we were looking at the strategy for launching this next product that we're launching right now, which is a beginner's facilitation program. Uh, called Facilitation Fundamentals, we were planning, whenever we do this, we think about, okay, what's the campaign? How are we going to launch it? And we always end up realizing after, you know, two or three days of running a workshop and we're like, oh, this is going to be the landing page and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. We always realize, let's just do a fucking free training. We know we're good at free training. We know we can 
always make money with free trainings. And we know for us, free trainings are really scalable. And once we hit the perfect training sales uh, event, we can basically use that recording in future to sell more, uh, basically sell more copies of the thing we're trying to sell. If you're interested in seeing how that looks in action, go to facilitator.com and you can see one of those recording, basically the the video that's on that page. Um, by the way, I shouldn't tell you this because you could spam us. Watch the video. Please do not fill out the form or book a call with my team if you're not interested. So don't do any of those steps. But if you watch the video, then you'll see what one of those free training looks like, free trainings look like, uh, and how we use that also as a sales uh, tactic as well. Free trainings are, honestly, nobody does them. And it's just really silly that people don't do them because they are the most effective way to sell pretty much anything. So yeah, that is this Wednesday night. Uh, so we're going to be planning for that. Uh, I was actually supposed to, if you're, you know, since this is a behind the scenes, I was supposed to look at the slides for it today. Um, I'm supposed to be looking at the slides for it right now. Laura is preparing the slides. She's preparing the the training. I'm just too tired. I can't look at it. I'm just too tired. I don't feel like it. Um, so I'm going to do that tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to take a sip of some matcha latte here. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, that's the big thing this week. And actually, I mean, if this goes well, so it, it is actually a pretty big deal. If this sale goes well, um, if this Wednesday training goes well, it's going to give us a good indication of what the revenue for the rest of 2023 is going to look like on the workshopper team if it doesn't go well it's going to be challenging i mean we're 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 going to pivot and we'll figure it out but it's going to create some challenges um because we really believe this is going to work and if it doesn't work well we'll have to go back to the drawing board um yeah next week on next week's podcast you'll find out if it worked or if it didn't yeah, so that's what's going on at AJ and Smart at the moment. Uh, everything I can think of anyway. And uh, yeah, the other thing I want to say is, you know, a lot of people don't listen to podcasts very long. And I want to say this up front. This podcast for me right now is a labor of love. It's just a little hobby. It's something I'm trying out. It's like almost like a journal for myself um, just to kind of keep track of what's going on in the company. And it's it's a nice thing to listen back to maybe in five years. But if for me... If I get bored of this, I'll just stop doing it. The only thing that will stop me from quitting this podcast if I get bored is if enough people are listening to it. So if you enjoyed last week's episode and you're enjoying this general open-ended, I don't even want to say ramble. It's not like rambling is kind of like a, everyone uses that terminology. It's just you're listening to someone um, give like a stream of consciousness talk. Uh, and, and sometimes it's valuable, sometimes it's not. But if you find the Unscheduled CEO to be a valuable podcast, here's what you can do for me. And here's what you can do to avoid me just giving up on this as soon as I get bored, uh, which if you know me, you'll know that that happens pretty quickly. And the way to do that is just if more people listen to it and the way to help me get more people listening to this podcast is to share it with somebody or share it on your social media. Uh, share something interesting you learned. Share a direct link to the episode. Take a screenshot of what you're listening to. I don't really care. 
um, just get the word out that this podcast exists and I can then see that more people are listening to it. We've got about a thousand listeners now. I think a thousand people approximately listened to the last episode. I want to get that to 10,000 by the end of March. And that will be sort of my experiment. If I can get to 10,000, I'll keep doing it. If I can't, um, we'll see. I don't know. It's right now, you know, I'm spending a lot of money on all this equipment. I'm spending a lot of time on it, uh, because it's fun. It's a nice project, but, um, definitely something that would keep me going here is enough people listening to it. And what I will also say is all of your mailbox comments, you know, if you, if you want to write in again, go to howtobusiness.substack.com. That also really helps because it keeps, it gives me a lot of content for the show. (laughs) Um, I can just answer your questions instead of coming up with new pieces of content. Um, Yeah. So that, that's one thing. This is, I, I heard uh, on the My First Million uh, podcast, they call it a gentleman's agreement. The gentleman's agreement is I give you free content for hours and all I ask of you is that you somehow get the word out that this thing exists. And if you can't do that for me, maybe just review it. Maybe just give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, and here's the thing, right? If this gets to 10,000 listeners, if it keeps growing, then I'll also do a video version of this podcast. So you'll get to see the behind the scenes. You'll get to literally see uh, the show happening happening from the AJ and Smart office. So that's, uh, <clears throat> that's what I'd love. So last week as well, the episode was about this topic of atomization of your life. It was about work-life balance. It was like it was it was this concept of life is less happy and less enjoyable when everything is in its little box. You have your work box over here, you have your life box over here. You have like here's when I do social time, here's when I work out, here's when I work and everything needs to be kept separate and everything's highly efficient, but it somehow doesn't feel integrated. I would definitely recommend going to back to episode 2 if you want to go deeper on that topic. I'm not going to do a proper summary of it right now. But it got a lot of people thinking. But not only that, the point of this podcast for me is really just to have this as a journal, this as a way for me to think out loud. And since that episode, I wanted to, I wanted to give you an idea of what I'm actually doing to make these things happen, to make my life more integrated. And the first thing I focused on, or the the first area that I decided to focus on, um, I probably mentioned this last week, was my social life. So currently, up until now, the whole thing was triggered by this idea of, I don't like going to planned social events. I really don't enjoy going to dinner parties. I really don't like going to things where it's pretty much like, we've got this three hours to have fun. And then you have to talk. It's almost like you're doing an interview. Um, and also, you have to plan so far in advance, you just don't know if you're actually going to care about that thing when it actually comes around. And uh, yeah, so for me, one of the things that I realized is that I need to take this matter into my own hands and I need to figure out a way to make my social life more integrated and less about this hyper planning thing. And there's a couple of things that I've been already implementing. And keep in mind, this is a topic that's been on my mind for a very long time. So I've been trying out different things. Um, But one of the ways that I tried something last weekend, which was a little bit more integrated. So on Friday, rather than saying, I'm going to have a dinner party or, I, I, you know, uh, you know, come over at 8 p.m. or let's meet at a bar, whatever. 
I actually sent a message out to my friends, my boys, right? Listen, I only hang out with boys, okay? That's my thing. I like boys. I lo- oh no, this is recorded. I can't undo it. <laughs> oh well, that's just going to be how it is. So I decided to message my boys. Girls are invited too, but I've got, I've got, a, I've got a boys group. I've got my WhatsApp boys group. And I, 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 instead of saying, hey, let's do this thing or who wants to meet up or whatever, I said, hey guys, from 8 p.m. till 11.30, I'm going to be hanging out at my place, playing video games. My daughter's in bed. If you want to hang out, come over. I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm not going to do any dinners. I'm not going to prepare anything. I've got shit in the fridge. If you want to eat, just come over. And pretty much everyone came over. So people came uh, at like at random times, like one person came at like, I, I think I said seven to 11. One person came at like seven, hung around, but we hung around with me while I put my daughter to bed. Um, another person came at around nine. Another person came actually around 1030. We hung around, we, we ate popcorn, we drank a few beers, we played video games. And this open ended, like chill hangout vibe is exactly what I was looking for. I had no expectations that I need to get like world-changing conversation out of this. I had no expectations that we need to achieve any specific goals. The only thing was just hanging out in a more integrated, calm, passive way, the way I used to feel when I was in college or, you know, when I lived in Ireland and people would just drop by my house. And my apartment is really perfectly located for this on purpose. I chose the location of my apartment it's pretty much like a uh, 10 minute walk from all of my friends' houses. So that's something I did really on purpose. I, I didn't want to move out to the middle of nowhere uh, where everyone would have to drive to me or um, take taxis. Pretty much everybody can walk to me. And it was a really nice evening. And actually, after that, I started Googling around um, more ways that I can make this social thing even more integrated and less stressful and less uh, of a performance. And I actually found a great article, Um, and this is something I'm going to read for you now. Now, this is a bit messy because this is not like, maybe this is the main topic for today. Maybe I'm not going to do a main topic. So I will actually play the main topic music for this one. But who knows, maybe I'll go back in it and say this is not the main topic anymore. But this is just on, this is just expanding on last week's topic. And then we're going to go into uh, a lot of you had a lot to say about this topic as well. So this is expanding um, on everything we learned, everything we learned last week. So let's move into the main topic. All right. So... It's an article in The Guardian from a lady called L or Ellie Hunt. And the title is called, You Have to Set Time Aside for Friendship. The Radical Power of Hanging Out. So if you're Googling it, it's called, You Have to Set Time Aside for Friendship, The Radical Power of Hanging Out. And it's uh, this, this, well, let me just read it for you. And I'm, I listen back to last week's episode and I realized how badly I was reading out the article. Uh, It's going to be the same today. I'm sorry in advance. (laughs) Okay. This is from Ellie or L. E-L-L-E. I don't know. 
Some of my fondest memories of friends should, by rights, be entirely forgettable. There was that time that we took our books to the park and dozed. The time we sat by... <laughs> it's already going bad. I, my, my laptop is like in a different place today. The time we sat by the sea drinking coffee, watching the waves. The time we assembled my flat pack furniture, well, I watched, order the pizza and watch TV. Fifteen years ago, these open-ended hangs were effortless and my social life, and my social life flowed with only the lightest steer. Fast forward to now, and whether it's the difference between being in my 30s versus my 20s, or 2023 versus 2013, or a pile-up of both, often the best I can manage is a quick drink after work in three weeks' time. No one, myself included, is ever free to just hang out. I'd love to, I say sincerely, but there's always a but. The otter, the otter, the otter, how is it going, love? My Irish accent breaks through. The author and academic Sheila Liming wants us to find the time, or more precisely, to reclaim it. Her new book, Hanging Out, The Radical Power of Killing Time, by the way, I bought that book, Uh, I'll read it and tell you how it is, is partly a pain, oh no, I don't know how to say that word, P-A-E-A-N, pain, pain, to the pleasures of idling with others, and partly a manifesto to take back our social lives from the deadening world of contemporary life. When we're young, it feels like social interactions just create themselves. They happen organically. We run into each other, says Liming, at home in Vermont. When we speak over Zoom, oh, <laughs> I got that so fucking wrong. All right, you'll see how wrong I got it. (laughs) When we're young, it feels like social interactions just create themselves. They happen organically. We run into each other, says Liming, at home in Vermont when we speak over Zoom. As we get older, they seem, it seems like, they seem like something we have to put more effort into. Meetings become more structured, at times more formal, and also more of a chore. Remember last week when I talked about the fact that I really don't like dinner parties because it does, it does feel like this chore-like thing to me at least. There's a desire, she says, for more casual interactions that don't have a lot of objectives associated with them, where there was nothing in particular you're trying to get out of it. And also the other thing is, this is me again, having these objectives and having these expectations often disappoints you because not these people are not going to necessarily fill fulfill all of these expectations and you're like oh this person was boring whatever but when i was younger i would hang out with loads of boring people um who i would consider very boring today but it was still a nice feeling right i'm sorry to all those people in my past i love you there's a desire for more casual interactions that don't have a lot of objectives associated with them where there's nothing in particular you're trying to get out of it. Liming proposes a return to hanging out, more amorphous and looser than parties, but in a world obsessed with outputs, perhaps perhaps of greater importance. Liming defines hanging out as any time that you find yourself killing time in the presence of others. It can be something really informal, like sitting on your friend's sofa and having a cup of tea. Rather than a particular activity, Liming says... It is an approach to socializing. For her, the gold standard was molid, molid, molly. All right, sorry. For her, the gold standard was modeled by a colleague who invited Liming and her partner over for lunch. 
When they called to say that they were 20 minutes away, their host responded with enthusiasm, saying he'd get started with the food. Oh, fucking hell, lads. This is going terribly. I'm too tired. Why did I, even, why did I take this on? Why am I doing a podcast? And why don't I read these things? Like, that's the thing. I'm not going to practice reading this beforehand and then just read it to you guys. You know? Okay. <clears throat> for her, the gold standards were... What, for her, the gold standard was modeled by a colleague who invited Liming and her partner over for lunch. When they called to say that they were 20 minutes away, their host responded with enthusiasm, saying he'd get started with the food. Then he asked, Who was calling? Sorry. Liming's friend was willing to make lunch for anyone with his phone number. This was sev- several years ago, she adds. A lot has changed. These days, it may feel like we don't have time for lunch at all, let alone prepare for it for friends who drop by. For office workers, technology and the associated expectations of round-the-clock availability have led to the lengthening of workdays. Rising living costs have added to that pressure, with a reported 5.2 million UK workers taking a second job to cope. Leisure time, shrinking since the 1970s, apparently, uh, I can't confirm that, but it seems like there's a link, is increasingly precious for women in particular, with US and UK statistics showing a stark gender gap, a reflection of uneven distribution of caring and domestic responsibilities. What free time do people have? Time use surveys consistently... Oh, wait. <laughs> what free time people do have, time use surveys consistently show, is mostly spent watching television, perhaps because we find ourselves too exhausted to do anything else. 100%. I mean... That's the thing I was saying last week when I did the previous podcast when this entire topic came up. It's not like at the end of the week, I'm delighted to go to a something like a dinner party, which is a lot of work, you know? You know what I mean? <clears throat> uh, the barriers to hanging out go beyond simply finding the time and the energy. Increasingly, they're also... Uh, fucking hell. The barriers to hanging out go beyond simply finding the time and energy. Increasingly, they are structural. So-called third places, I love this concept of third places, by the way, I've been deeply nerding out on it. Um, Love that concept. So-called third places, those in which you can comfortably spend time outside of your home or office, are disappearing due to factors such as public spending cuts, privatization, and gentrification. In big cities, it can be a struggle to find a place to just be together. This creates a vicious cycle of needing money to spend time with friends and needing to work to make money. Oh, no. This comes at a cost, Liming argues. When busy schedules means planned, when busy schedules means plans are made long into the future, they can't help but be crushed under the weight of expectation. By the time it actually happens, I've almost talked myself out of the opportunity to enjoy it, she says. It's crazy, right? crazy i love that i found this because this is like really touching (laughs) i love this like anyone who joins this podcast and like this is called the unscheduled ceo it's it's all about running a business right and i'm here talking about friends um look in a few minutes i'm getting to the questions it's going to be more businessy i think Uh, and i also want to talk about this so the quality of our company is just as important as the fact of it liming says 
We've all had those experiences when we're around someone who doesn't quite have the time to interact with us socially. That feeling of being squeezed in between two things, of being an obligation. I'm flooded with uncomfortable memories of events where I've had one foot out the door, mentally, physically, or both, because I've tried to cram too much in. Stopping by at two parties or accepting a dinner invitation even though I'm on a deadline, seeing my grimace, liming laughs, it's okay, it's not personal, we all do it. It is the upshot, she says, of a culture that is continuously pushing us to wring out every bit of value from our days and to optimize our lives. Remember last week I talked about this, but this is a different angle. Those pressures have filtered down to our friendships. The pandemic hasn't helped. It's like those muscles that I had previously strengthened through social interactions were flabby, Liming says. Indeed, many people report that their circles have shrunk since COVID-19. A YouGov survey last year found that 40% of Britons aged 16 and over have lost contact with some of their friends. I wonder if that would just be the same if they had done that survey another time. Okay, whatever. Um, I'm sure there's something more if I clicked on it, but I'm not going to. Meanwhile, the number of kinless adults... Those who find themselves without immediately family members in later life is expected to grow. Yet, amid this reported epidemic of loneliness, there is increased understanding that relationships are essential to our mental and physical well-being. Social isolation and loneliness can lead to an elevated risk of heart disease, stroke, and premature... Premature! Premature! I'm just going to do all the rest of it in an Irish accent. And premature death! According to a... I'm not going to do that. Premature death. According to a 2020 report from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine in the U.S. Okay, we're down to one listener of the podcast now. Liming Liming proposes hanging out as a bomb that forges connections and meaning. The first step is to seek to nourish our relationships, not simply to renew them as we might a TV license. You have to set time aside to make sure you're doing it justice when you get an opportunity. That may mean politely declining those invitations you would only be attending out of obligation, so as to free yourself up for the ones that matter. Liming shudders to recall how many colleagues and distant school friends, baby showers, she got roped into attending in her early 30s. Oh God, I can't imagine anything worse than a baby shower. I don't think guys get invited to that shit. Do we? Well, I never got invited to one. Relationship, maybe because I don't really like kids that much. Hey, relationships that other people's kids, relationships that we wish to maintain need not only time, but space for intimacy, growth, and even potential conflict. Liming writes for Liming writes of a disagreement she recently had with an old friend. After three hours, they found common ground and Liming felt as if their relationship had grown together somehow. Had either of them been less invested, it might have been tempting to simply let the relationship cool. That is the muscle built by hanging out, uh, says Liming, extending our tolerance for discomfort and our our capacity, (laughs) capacity, our capacity for compassion. It's also about letting go of expectations. Hanging out doesn't always have to mean a perfect party scenario or gathering. It can just be okay. Liming gives the example of her best friends from childhood, who now lives on the opposite coast and has two young children. 
When they meet, Lyman goes along with her friends, friend on errands or appointments. Just seeing her in her daily life is much more interesting than the sort of forced environment. Than a sort of forced environment, she says. This is high. This is high. <laughs> Now I'm doing a Northern Irish accent. This is how I I too stay connected with faraway friends, who I see on average once every two years. Where I used to try to catch up on everybody's lives over an evening, as though I was cramming for an exam. That's such a. When I read that, I was like, "That's exactly how it feels." My preference now is to dip into a few of them. I've tagged along to my sister's work drinks, attended friends' family gatherings, um, kept them company on their commute. It allows me to picture their days and engage more fully uh, when we're apart. When schedules do not allow for sprawling socializing or even face to face. Hanging out on the internet is just what we have to do," says Liming. Certainly, in my experience, some digital interactions can be more rewarding from others, a few than others. A few of my group chats on WhatsApp are maybe are nearly as free flowing a source of entertainment and support as being together in person. This fits Liming's thesis that hanging out is mostly a mindset, emphasizing presence over merely being present. That can extend to interacting with those whom we often see but don't count as friends. The staff at our favorite cafe, our familiar faces at the gym. A recent large-scale study found that having a diverse social portfolio was predictive of happiness and higher well-being. All right, I just need to like have a more diverse social portfolio. Hey, John, what are you doing this weekend? Working on my social portfolio. That's what I'm going to be doing. There is certainly, by the way, this is the end of the article now. In case you're wondering, like, when the fuck is this going to end? <laughs> It's funny because today I was like, I have nothing to talk about. I'm so grumpy. I'm so tired. This episode is going to be like five minutes long. It's already almost forty minutes, and I still haven't, you know, there still hasn't been anything to do with business, really. Although that's not true. I, I, I told you what I'm working on here. And the cool thing is. The whole reason I can do something like this is because I am an unscheduled CEO, and if you're running a business and you are the CEO and you're listening to this, you can also have this much free time to look into concepts and think about new things and not just be uh, stuck in the everyday execution. Your job as a uh, CEO is to sort of look at the bigger picture. Okay, we're going back and we're going back. Okay. There's certainly there are certainly risks to striking off conversations with strangers, or even even allowing ourselves to be vulnerable with friends. Liming acknowledges, but what's the worst thing that's going to happen? In the weeks after we speak, I experiment. I spend Saturday afternoon running errand with errands with one of my nearby friends, then Sunday morning on Zoom with an old faraway one. I make a point of spacing out my work calls to allow for chat. I leave for yoga ten minutes early and say hi to the instructor. The instructor uh, before class. I don't create any more hours in my day, but I feel the difference. My new schedule allows space for possibility to run into a friend and not have to rush off, or to receive a last-minute invitation and reply, "I'd love to." No buts. Okay, so wait, I'm just getting a message here. Uh. uh Yes. Okay. Sorry. So that's it. So that's the article, and it's just a follow-on from the social 
aspect of last week's conversation about atomization. I'd love to know what you think about that. Um, let me know. Let me know in the comments. Howtobusiness.substack.com. And um, yeah, I find that really interesting. I'm just letting this whole thing kind of sink in for the last few months, this topic of how I want to have this more integrated life. Uh, even when I went to Ireland uh, over Christmas, whereas before, where, whereas the last time I went to Ireland, it's like, I need to visit every friend. I need to like, you know, drop by for an hour here and have a coffee and then drop by for an hour. And it, and it is this cramming for an exam feeling. And this time I just didn't do any of that. I just hung out at my uh, brother's and parents' house. I messaged my friends saying, I'm going to be hanging out there and you can just drop by whenever you want. And uh, a couple of people ended up dropping by. You know, we ended up playing music. Like there was, it was just all this spontaneous stuff and it just didn't feel so stressful. Um, yeah, I like that. Whereas before, like I said, I would be like, I need to do this, I need to do this. And when I see other people doing that, I'm like, I want to ask them, do you enjoy checking off everything on that list? Um, but a lot of people don't even question uh, whether they enjoy things or not. It's just, you just do stuff. You just do that. That's what people say. I hate when people say that. When I say, hey, do you actually like doing that? It's like, well, you just do that. You just have to do that. I'm like, who, who, who's telling you you have to do this? Where's the, I don't know. Anyway, that, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff bugs me. So yeah, that was the, that, that article really jumped out on me this week. And yeah, I'm going to keep trying to implement these things. Another thing I'm thinking of doing is, so I've got this gym room at my apartment. <clears throat> it's just a room that I use as a gym, which I've never used. I basically have workout equipment and I've never used it. Um, I'm also going to turn it into a little bit of a podcast space, but I think I'm also going to turn it into a little hangout, kind of casual hangout area. Um, my entire apartment is that right now, but me and my friends ended up hanging out in there. I think guys are just drawn to lifting heavy things. It's the ugliest room in the entire apartment. And we ended up hanging out there a few times uh, this weekend. And I was thinking, I'm just going to get a couch in here. I'm going to turn it into a bit more of a hangout space. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to continue down this path of saying basically no to anything that doesn't really jump out of me uh, as an interesting social thing. And and then just mostly keep, keeping my weekends open keeping my weeknights open for spontaneous friendy related things and uh yeah that's it so <clears throat> i'm gonna take a little break and when we come back before we move into some questions and i'm gonna skip the main like the main main theme i wanted to talk about this week is the topic of selfishness and getting what you want i think i'm gonna keep that for another week i just don't feel like it today so when I come back, we're going to watch a video. We're going to watch a little video unrelated to everything else before we go into the questions. Because we have a very important, I have a very, very important uh, Pierce Brosnan related update to share with all of you. Yes, Pierce Brosnan, the actor. Um, so I'll be back. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the unscheduled CEO. And we've got we've got a big update. We've got a big Pierce update this week. I'm gonna need 
uh, new music for the Pierce update. I just don't know how often they're going to happen. Now, Pierce Brosnan, if you don't know who Pierce Brosnan I actually have met people who don't know who Pierce Brosnan is. If you don't know who Pierce Brosnan is, it's it's unlikely that you're listening to this podcast because, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about the type of person you are if you don't know who Pierce Brosnan is. Uh, hint, it's a, you're a bad person. So I found this video um, on my, my searches through Pierce content. It's from British GQ, and it's called 10 Things Pierce Brosnan Cannot Live Without. And um, since this is my podcast and you can't tell me what to do, uh, I'm going to watch this video for the first time. Now, I saw the title. I watched the first few seconds and I was like, okay, this is perfect uh, podcast material. So we are going to react to the 10 things. And we'll see. We might skip. We might just give up if it's not interesting. I'm going to take a look at the 10 things Pierce Pierce Brosnan cannot live without. Um, My life, my podcast needs to be as integrated as my life. And Pierce Brosnan is a big part of my life. So let's, let's watch this. Always wanted to be a painter. So he's just sitting there uh, at a table and he just immediately starts talking. I always wanted to be a painter. So uh, in case you're wondering if it just like cut right in randomly. No, this is the immediately what's happening here. Pierce is just always on immediately. Left school at 16 with nothing but a cardboard folder of drawings and paintings. Three years later, I became an that's actually similar to when I left school. Uh, when I left high school, you know, all I used to do was draw, nothing else. I used to just draw all the time, nonstop. Um, I was trying to get a comic book published in the local comic book store. And uh, my only interest was going to illustration college. Uh, I actually got in, but I ended up taking a different program, which was called digital media production or multimedia, which also had illustration in it. Um, but you see how we're doing this? We're kind of relating Pierce to my life. Um, let's go. An actor. Hi, I'm Pierce Brosnan, and these are 10 essentials in my life. I hope you all know that Pierce is Irish, okay? He's Irish. Mm, I like that music. The first thing is sunglasses. Sunglasses. These are all of a people's. An elegant design. They sit well on the face. So this is a sunglasses brand called Oliver Peoples. Um, really, really nice sunglasses. Uh, they have a lot of stores in New York. And next time I'm, I'm in New York, I am definitely getting myself a pair of Oliver, Oliver Peoples sunglasses. Because Pierce is going to wear them. Face, strong lens. Look Strong cool. lens. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of classic. What is it? <laughs> What's a strong lens on a sunglasses? Does he mean like uh, the prescription or um, uh, it's got a strong lens? Okay. Italian movie style look. But not only that, they're great lenses. Robert Mark is another great sunglass maker. Parasol. Those three makes of sunglasses are very, very cool. When I came out to L.A. in 82, I'd do Remington Steel, I used to go down to Melrose, L.A. Iwerks, and you could pick up Purcell, 80 bucks. 80 bucks. Damn, it's showing old pictures of Pierce Brosnan. What a beautiful man. Jesus, 
what age is he right now? Because he looks fucking great. Pierce Brosnan, age 69 years old. Christ. You know, what's interesting is um, quite a few people, I, I mentioned this, quite a few people last week, uh, last week's episode, they were like, last week's episode was so much better. Um, there was so much less rambling. You really stuck to the point. <laughs> Oh, how are you feeling now, guys? How are you feeling now? Huh? Yeah, I haven't really been using these enough. Um, that's probably how you're feeling. I'm sorry. But this is this is like a more realistic look at the podcast. Like this is more realistically what it's going to be. Um, so the first of his 10 essentials are sunglasses. Let's move on. Oh, the second I... Okay, this is going to bring up a story. I love the second thing. So let's move to the second thing. Let's move. Let's move on. Just love watches. Okay. Second thing, Birkenstock sandals. <gasps> Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks. Yes. He has the exact... Okay, it's kind of s- silly for me to say he has the exact same uh, pair of uh, Birkenstocks as me because I have so many pairs of Birkenstocks. <laughs> But in this video, which is called 10 Things Pierce Brosnan Can't Live Without, uh, he's holding a pair of Birkenstocks, which are my actually my favorite color uh, and my favorite style. Um, Birkenstocks are amazing. I used to always wear flip-flops because, you know, Birkenstocks were like really uncool. And then I moved to Germany, the land of the Birkenstock. And I resisted these items for maybe five years. And then I wore my first pair and I was fully sold. If you're wondering if every single person in Germany has Birkenstocks, uh, they do. Everyone here has Birkenstocks. And you should also get Birkenstocks. I, it, they're, they are really... I, I remember saying the day I get Birkenstocks stocks is the day I give up on trying to ever look in any way attractive. Um, but I think Birkenstocks have ma- single-footedly made me more attractive, all right? I travel with them. These are such a great shoe. It's comfortable. I've had many pairs over the years. Never thought I was going to end up cherishing and loving Birkenstocks as much as I do. But I live out on the island of Kauai, live on the beaches of Malibu. Very blessed, very lucky to be able to have that kind of lifestyle. But all comes from work. You know, Nothing comes from nothing. I like the way he's like, these are my shoes. I work hard. I'm blessed. So, yeah, you got to... You gotta have a story behind everything. These shoot these Birkenstocks though, they are the shit. This make this 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 gives me like my Pierce Brosnan fanometer is increasing. Has increased dramatically knowing that he likes Birkenstocks. Okay, we're moving on to his third essential. I am skipping through here, guys. I'm really cutting this episode down a lot. Sketching pencils, colored pencils, drawing is an essential part of my life. Okay, he has art supplies. Let's move on. Um, Oh, he's got beads. So we don't need to hear about his beads. Slippers, mm, shoes, uh, a belt, tequila. Is this like his own tequila brand? Let's check out the tequila vibes. Tequila. Don Ramon. This is a company out of Mexico who came to... (laughs) 
I like when the Irish accent comes out. You know, Pierce Brosnan, sometimes he's in, uh, maybe I'll find another video. Like, he really hams the accent up sometimes. Like, makes himself sound extra Irish when it's going to be convenient. To be honest, I also do this. When I go to Ireland, I sound way, how's it going, lads? Um, for anyone listening and you think that's insulting, I am Irish. I grew up in Ireland the first 20 years. Uh, so if you, Pierce Brosnan gets emotional, listen to this. It's like his accent goes like, <laughs> it says Pierce Brosnan gets choked up. I don't hear him getting choked up here, but listen, listen to this accent. Whereabouts in Ireland are you from? Well, this is where it's going to get interesting, where I'm from. <laughs> where are you from? I'm originally from Navin. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. How are you keeping? Very well. Great. I was sitting watching the movie, and I was like, you're the first superhero This is the Navin. This is the interviewer. This first superhero from Navin. Can you believe that? Oh, it's lovely to meet you, Thomas. You too. Grand. Cheers. From home. A nice little welcome. <laughs> Truly from home. Navin is deep in my heart, on the banks of the Boyne there, yeah. across from the town, my grandfather... God bless him, built a lovely little bungalow and that was my home. I don't know if it's still there. All right, let's see. Let's see how he sounds when he's not talking to an Irish person. To me, I don't know, four years ago now with the idea of being a spokesman. It's more British. It's it's definitely more British. Um, this is not a point against Pierce and, and I don't know like what's the rating system. Uh, he doesn't lose any Pierce points here. Um, my accent always also changes when I'm talking to Irish people. Like when I'm talking to my family, it's definitely a bit more fucking Corkish. That's even not even slightly Corkish. <laughs> How's it going, Lance? For tequila, I tasted it. I liked it. I liked the people who were making it, the whole philosophy of it. It's a really good drink. It's a very good one at the end of the day. Why tequila as opposed to uh, any other? Drink? I do like tequila. Having made a movie like The Matador and being introduced to tequila in a very strong way. All those years ago, kind of stayed with me. What does it mean to be introduced to tequila in a strong way? I want to, I want to have been there for that moment. And the people that I was working with were very pleasant to deal with. So why not? Damn. Damn. Oh, I didn't. Even, his last, his last essential are Bose headphones. Let's just check that out. And we'll move on. Bose headphones are exceptional headphones. And again, I travel so much when I get on the plane. These go on straight away. I've bought so many of these and somehow they disappear in the house. Don't know why, but I do have young sons, young men folk. I listen to audiobooks. I, I listen to it uh, sometimes when I paint, especially if there's a distraction in the house or outside the studio, like chickens living out on the island. There's lots of chickens. When Hurricane Aniki came in, they all scattered. So literally, we have wild chickens, and we have many generations of chickens that we feed. They're not pets, but they know us. Okay. Well. All right. There that's you it. Go. All right. Okay. All right. We're gonna do. We're gonna. We're gonna move on to <laughs> your questions for the week. We're gonna move on to the mailbox. And this week we have a lot of questions. Oh, forgot that that comes back. <laughs> 
We've got a lot of questions. We've got a lot of comments on the previous episode. And I'm just going to go through as many as I can. I think this is going to be the most interesting part of the podcast, which is why it's 55 minutes in. Uh, this podcast is only for hardcore fans. So, you know, if you got this far, this is where you're probably going to actually learn <laughs> stuff. Um, so I just kind of like quickly scanned through what people were writing. And then I just... Uh, you know, just copied and pasted it in so I didn't necessarily read everything. Some things are questions, some things are comments. So right now, I might also be reading them for the first time. Um, so question from David Finnegan. Hey, David. I went, oh, by the way, if you want to write in howtobusiness.substack.com, go to the most current episode. So it will be episode three if you're listening to this. And you can write your comments and I'll respond to them. So David Finnegan says, I went back and forth on, on the idea of work-life balance a lot in my 20s. Some of the jobs I worked at, uh, I just wanted to be out the door as early as possible every single day. But usually I'd end up going home and working on some side hustle or developing a new skill. So really, I was just looking for better work. I think the autonomy, mastery, purpose framework from Daniel Pink is a pretty good way to explain why some people enjoy work and others don't. If you're missing one of these things, a job usually feels pretty unfulfilling. Imagine how it would feel if you were missing all of them. Work can feel like play. I know I often feel like I have to peel myself away from working, and it's the same feeling I have when I have to peel myself away from the PlayStation when I'm engrossed in a video game. It's the same thing for me, Dave. Uh, by the way, I know Dave well. He is doing some work for AJ and Smart, and he's also a, fed, a fellow Irish man. Uh, you'll also see him a lot in the facilitation club group. Dave, you're the man. But yeah, for me, work feels like a video game. It's really hard for me to stop playing uh, playing work. Um, and it's it's actually, for me, more engrossing than video games. So yeah, great. To, I haven't read that. I don't know about that framework from Daniel Pink, um, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Michelle writes in and she says, I'm so in your tribe as far as scheduling. By the way, when you're writing in, you can also write in the first line. You can say uh, where you're also from. I think it would be kind of fun to be like, Michelle writes in from blah. So David writes in from Sweden. Okay, Michelle, I'm so in your tribe as far as scheduling. And raise three kids, giving them space to be bored. Lots of good things can come from being idle. Also had a business that fed me in a way that you speak of AJ and Smart, with lots of spontaneous creative decisions, making that surface due to a free calendar. In regard to work-life balance, I love this quote from Mariana Williamson. Mariana? That's my daughter's name. Think, or it's Marianne, I don't know, Mariana. Think of your work life not as separate from your spiritual life, but as a central as central to your spiritual life. Whatever your business, whatever your business, it is your ministry. Even if the word spiritual triggers, it's a useful reframe to think of your work life as being oh fuck guys, I'm really messing this up. The text is way too small. <laughs> and a dog just started barking. Sorry about this. I'm also getting so many messages. This is the bad part about it being unedited. Stop messaging me, you fucks. Okay. Think of your work life not as separate from your spiritual life, but as central to your spiritual life. Whatever your business, it is your ministry. Even if the word spiritual triggers, 
It's a useful reframe to think of your work as life, being 100% authentic, whatever the stage. Also, from a seasoned elder in business. How elderly are you, Michelle? <laughs> um, balance is always in flux and flow. At different times of your life, you give energy to different things. Where your attention grow goes, things grow in the best of all possible worlds. One more thing. It's different for introverts and extroverts as far as scheduling time and social life. Introverts need time away from people as they can feel depleted and extroverts get energy from people. Thanks for sharing. All the best. Um, and then she links to this uh, interesting Psychology Today article about introverts and extroverts. Uh, I don't think so. It's called the introvert extrovert myth. And it's quite long, so I'm just going to like tell you to Google it, the introvert-extrovert myth on psychology today. Okay, thanks so much for writing in, Michelle. Um, it's interesting, this idea of it being your, yeah, your work is your life. I think it's as simple as that. Your work is your life. There's, It's really strange to call what you do not a real thing. It really is your life. It's also such a huge part of your life. Okay, we're getting into questions now. Uh, let's see here. <sighs> yeah. um, Vitaly, and this name, I hope I'm saying it, Vitaly Malahov asks, is growth your sole main goal as a company? And if not, what else do you focus on? That's a great question going to sit back and think about this one. Is growth your sole main goal as a company? I think growth is the easiest, and I talked about this last time, it's the easiest goal to measure. It's not like in any way my sole main goal for AJ and Smart is just growth and nothing else, but it is the easiest thing to measure. So it's the only thing we measure. It is revenue growth. Revenue growth is a really, really easy thing to measure. And it also just basically means, you know, if you are growing, then your business is usually delivering more value to more people. So that's the reason I ask my teams to um, measure their growth through revenue. Um, but yeah, so what other things do we focus on? I mean, we, we focus on making the environment enjoyable to work in. Um, finding people who will like to work in this environment, uh, having fun, making things we actually think are really good. And uh, yeah, but I don't know, growth is, uh, it, and it doesn't have to be just revenue growth. There's also personal growth of the individual employees. I think if there's no feeling of growth at a company, it just starts to feel stagnant and a lot of things come from just increasing your revenue. If you increase your revenue, if you make more money, then your company has more money to be able to also do more interesting things for the employees, to pay people better, to also do more interesting educational programs that are more expensive. And um, yeah, I, I do think that uh, growth from a revenue perspective is, it's not the sole main goal, but it is one of the only things we measure. Yeah. Thanks, Vitaly, for writing in. Matthew Ship writes, how many years did it take to get consistent clients? Hmm. Probably about five or six years to get, like, when you say consistent, I assume you mean that it's not like 
you know, three clients one month and then no clients the next month, the usual agency sort of vibe. Um, yeah, it, it basically, we stopped having that problem once we started creating content and creating ads and doing these trainings that I talked about. I honestly think the day, the, the day we did our first training, uh, like these free trainings, was the last time we ever really had to look for clients. But it did take a long time. And I don't think it took a long time because it takes a long time. I think it took a long time because we didn't have the strategy. We didn't know how to do these things. And um, yeah, happy to talk about all those things on the podcast if you, if you when, when someone asks the specific questions around that. Gail Kuker. Oh, this second name is tricky. It looks also German. Gail I know Gail from the Workshopper Master Program, but the second name, Gail Kirpgeweit. Gail, I'm really sorry. I would look at that if I, in Germany, it would be Kirpgeweit. <laughs> I'm glad I listened to this. I've always thought I was the weird one because I'm more comfortable mixing and mingling work with personal life. I've been called a workaholic forever, never as a compliment. I just thought I was uh, it was the negative side of being an entrepreneur. But I love what I do. I love what I do. Love spending time with friends and family, love making money for myself and my clients. How can I just turn that off on, on turn that off and on according to the clock? I've never known how to do that. So thanks for making me feel a bit more understood today and a little less like the weird one. I think uh you know, my entire 20s <laughs> Everyone complained to me that I was a workaholic and that I, you know, should stop talking about work and like, why is every, why is work so important? Blah 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 blah. Um, just because everyone else or a lot of other people are just doing jobs that they kind of hate and are just not even slightly interesting or important to them, I totally understand that. Um, I noticed as well. This is going to be, I, I avoid talking about anything like this, but I have noticed that. Uh, it's worse for women, um, like women who are ambitious tend to get a lot of shit for that, especially as they get near their thirties. Um, I really see that, uh, like just, just, a a guy being super ambitious in like in his late twenties and early thirties is acceptable, even though it's still weird apparently for people, but, uh, for a woman, it's a nightmare. Um, I know that because I've got uh, the, this company is basically uh, the two managers are women. And yeah, like not everybody likes people being super ambitious. And I find that very, very strange. Yeah, there's my there's my uh, deep topic for the day. Jeff Panning asks, hey, Jonathan, I love the podcast and the topics you're covering. Question for you. What were some of the reasons you and others started AJ and Smart back in the day? What level, what level of research did you do to determine if the niche you were targeting might be interested in your services? <laughs> the origin story of AJ and Smart. Um, me and two other guys start... Well, okay, so I was working at a company in Berlin as a designer. There was another designer there who was a freelancer. And one day he came to me and said, Hey, there's this project at my client's office or at my client's company. It was a company called, actually, I won't say it because I want to be able to tell the story properly. Uh, it was a company here in Berlin. It was just uh, whatever. And he said, hey, do you want to pitch? They're looking for an agency to make this new website. Do you want to pitch with me for that project? And if if we win it, we're probably not going to win it. 
but if we do win this pitch um like we could just start an agency <laughs> or something i don't even know how it all happened back then i was just like yeah let's do it so we needed a developer for the pitch so i act, asked the bassist in my band alex <laughs> who was actually learning some programming stuff if he could join the pitch with us uh he did even though he also had a full-time job um he joined the pitch we actually won the pitch and uh we we worked on that thing like really hardcore for about six weeks we handed it over and then when we tried to hand we we wanted to charge them individually so i wanted to give my invoice michael wanted to give his invoice and alex wanted to give his invoice but the company who booked us was like no you said you were an agency (laughs) and so we were like yes we are an agency and then that same day we created the company um it was called like court courtney smart humphreys gbr because that was just our second names uh and really quickly myself and michael kind of so Michael uh, wanted the company to be called Jam, Jonathan, Alex, Michael. And I wanted us to be called AJ and Smart just because of the it sounded lawyery and expensive. And uh, just I, I ended up like making some mock-ups of some business cards and the guys liked it. So we just went with AJ and Smart because we didn't even care because it was like, yeah, this is going to shut down anyway after this project. And then, I don't know, myself and Michael just decided will we just try to do this a bit more and uh he found i think he found like a an office space uh in this building and in this building there were some other startups and they just we just started uh doing some like free whiskey tasting events and i knew a friend that was working at one of these rocket internet companies and he connected us with the um cto and then we got our second job uh, and then it just went from there. We did no research. We did no thinking about it at all. We just started. So, yeah, we just, yeah, we didn't think about any of that stuff. That kind of sticks today. We don't do any research. Like, we didn't do, when we were thinking about getting into the facilitation market, we did not Google one other facilitation course. I just, yeah, we have, we when we have an idea at AJ and Smart, at AJ and Smart, we don't even bother Googling anything. We just go for it. Which is why I think we end up creating relatively unique things because we don't do any of the research. All right. Audrey, Audrey Thovenen, 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 uh has a nice comment here. Love the new show, Jonathan. Hey, Audrey, by the way. Audrey has done some work for AJ and Smart in the past, as has David. Um, love the new show, Jonathan. Thank you. I'm so on your side as well. I don't understand people who literally accept to be miserable most of their day at work and then use the remaining time not being at work complaining about work. I mean, come on, move. There are so many opportunities out there. Actually, almost feel privileged to be excited. I actually almost feel privileged to be excited every day to go to work, mingle, literally texting from a coffee shop next to the office while waiting for my colleague so we grab breakfast. So we can grab breakfast, talk and engage with as many as I can. Learn from each uh, learn from each and every one while still delivering stuff here and there. Life's too short to separate the two, like you say. You may not love it 100% of the time, but at least 97% and you should know why you love it. On that note, have an awesome day, everyone. Audrey, that sounds great. And I really think it seems like a small thing 
to go to work and have breakfast with a colleague. It's such a big deal. It really fills this feeling of community uh, that I really believe humans need. Um, yeah, really. Yeah, it's important. I'm just going to take a little sip of this drink here. Um, again, if you have a question or a comment that you'd like me to read out or react to, just write. Uh, go to the how to howtobusiness.substack.com. There might even be a link in this in the show notes. I don't know. So, Boris Kerr um, asks one question for a future podcast. That podcast is today, Boris. Oh wait, let me do a voice. Uh, that podcast is today, Boris. <laughs> oh, how do I turn it off? Oh yeah, there. <laughs> One question for a future podcast. How much how much of your personality is included in AJ and Smart's culture? Can everyone avoid scheduling, making podcasts and going their own can every uh, can everyone avoid scheduling, making podcasts and go their own way? Or is it a CEO perk and you surround yourself with well-organized staff that allow you to do your thing? I think that's a gr- great question because I'm here doing this podcast called the Unscheduled CEO I'm talking about all of this sort of open-ended time that I have. Um, and Boris is wondering, does everyone at AJ and Smart have that same thing? The answer is no. So, I mean, there there's a mix, right? It's not, you can't just join AJ and Smart and just hang around and make pointless podcasts like me. Um, I've been here, you know, I started it. I've been here for 12 years. I'm still heavily involved in all of the, core parts of the business but i do have a lot of freedom when it comes to my schedule um the management team has complete freedom when it comes to their schedule so i guess that is a a yes uh however they also have have things they need to do they have targets they need to hit so they basically can decide how they want to do that themselves each team at aj and smart however it's not completely self-organized and people are, you know, being asked to do specific things. And, and, you know, there are certain type of jobs where it just wouldn't make sense to let people be completely wild and just come up with their own schedule. So not, n- no, not everybody is unscheduled. However, I have very little control over people's schedules and the individual teams sort of come up with their own systems and their own meetings and their own ways of doing things. And my DNA is deeply integrated into the business so if you came to the aj and smart office you'd you'd get a good feel for it but there is this sort of like light level of chaos in in what we do here um and a light level of kind of open-endedness uh to to the way things happen at aj and smart and um plans can change quickly (laughs) there are not so many long-term plans uh because we don't like that in the same way i don't like that and uh, although, to be honest, the consulting team is a little different there, but also because Sarah and Steve are very different to me, but I let them uh, do it the way that they want to because the way they, they want to works really well. Um, yeah, so no, not everybody can just do that. And yes, it is a CEO perk, um, but I, I'm only allowed to do that perk, I guess, as long as I'm still bringing value to the business. Um, 
if I'm just dead weight hanging around, then it's not going to be very useful anymore. But yeah, so yeah, I I, um, I generally stay out of the way of the teams and I do my own thing. And uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm also not involved in people's day to day. That's Laura, Sarah, and Steve. So I don't run the day to day of AJ and Smart operationally. That's also why I can do this. And I also think that every CEO listening to this should be aiming for this role where you have time to think, time to do things like this. Um, number two, his question, question two is, are you successful in spite or thanks to going your own way? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I think if I had less of like an ADHD vibe, I'd probably get a lot more done. Um you know, if I was more disciplined, like the fact that earlier I said I would just stop doing this podcast if I was bored, uh, unless enough people listen to it, you know, that's not that helpful. But I do think my always questioning the status quo meant that we created a very different type of business to every other agency. And I think that's a positive thing. But I have, I have no idea whether it's successful in spite of my ways of being or thanks to... Um, yeah. Ian Baxter writes in, nice one, Jonathan. This moved from background noise to attention grabbing about a third of the way in. <laughs> it's not going to happen with today's episode. Great episode, particularly the atomization of work-life balance part. To push back slightly, <gasps> Ian, this is not a podcast where people push back. I'm correct about everything. Ian. Ian, you cannot push back. This is my podcast, Ian. You know who I sound like? I sound like Jennifer Coolidge in The White Lotus when I'm doing this. Uh, if you Oh, no. Oh, what's happening? Why did Ian push back on me now? I don't like that. Oh. Okay. To push back slightly on work-life balance, there is something to be said for doing activities that are hard and unpleasant, and maybe solitary. What activities are you talking about, Ian? (laughs) Oh, I turned it off too quickly. For a while. So you feel really noticeably better afterwards, like fasting, cold water therapy, or exercise. Suffering through five days of a hard job you don't like makes that 5 p.m., Friday beer, super tasty. Saying that, if somebody literally hates their job, they should find something else ASAP. I don't know. I, I'm i just not built like that. I understand that doing these things and going to the gym and fasting and all that stuff is like makes you feel really, really good, but I just don't think they are very integrated. It's not my way of living. And no, I, I think suffering through five days of a hard job you don't like makes the 5 p.m., beer super tasty i know i mean that's the definition of just like that that's how a lot of people live they they work they live for the weekend it's called and then they like get shit-faced all weekend just to like somehow take back some independence uh and then sunday night they're like oh no back to work again tomorrow i'd love people to feel that feeling of actually the weekend for me is like ugh, i don't want to like I love hanging around with these people. I like doing these cool projects. Um, I also love my weekends, but I definitely, it's more like the days are too fast when I'm at work. It's, it's really, I would really love people to find that. So yeah, 
But yeah, you didn't really push back, Ian. You can push back harder on that. Mm, you know? So if you remember, if you got a message, write it into howtobusiness.substack.com. And if you want to push back, don't, don't do that. Okay, no, you can do it. You can. Wait. You can, you can do that. Oh, this is a different. Hey. <laughs> uh, should I do the entire podcast like this? What do you think, guys? Right into how to. But, all right. Roddy Vonk writes, I really enjoyed that. Po- I really enjoyed the podcast again. Just like the first one. I like it not being so smooth due to not editing. Thank you, Roddy, by the way. I wanted to comment on the part where you tell where you talk about not liking to plan social activities since when it's scheduled, you sort of have to enjoy it uh, and set the time. You said you prefer to be spontaneous, spontaneous get togethers with friends and colleagues. But so many people have busy lives and plan their weekends with loads of social activities. I know it fucking sucks. I experienced the same thing like my weekends on schedule. I like my weekends unscheduled. But lots of people around me have their weekends planned, sometimes already weeks ahead. Oh, God, that sounds horrible. If I ask them to go for a drink or something just a few days before the next weekend, they don't have time since they already made so many plans. This sometimes makes me feel sort of guilty that I asked them for their time. This sometimes stops me from asking them to go out altogether, since I feel like I'm interfering with their plans. How does this work for you? One of the ways, maybe I'm just going to turn this a bit Wait, right? sorry. Um, well, first of all, I hate that, right? It's the same for me. Like everyone, everyone is overplanned, and that's the whole reason I did the podcast. Everyone just assumes you have to plan the fuck out of everything. Um, well, one of the things that I decided to do is get a, an apartment, um, close to everyone, but also I know this is not something everybody can do, but I decided to get a place that what that's almost like a clubhouse, you know, it's, it's, um, it's got, it's quite large. It's in a great location. Um, I, I made it really nice. I made it a really nice place to hang out. And that if you can make your place wherever you are, the place where everyone wants to come to. Um, I actually got this idea of visiting Noah Kagan. Uh, he's an internet like entrepreneur guy. He runs, um, what's it called? AppSumo. Um, I went to his house in Austin. I was in Austin. I sent him a message and he was like, yeah, just drop by. And I dropped by and we just hung out in the hot tub with him and his friends. And I was like, fuck, this is so cool. Like this guy has basically built a clubhouse where people come and hang out. So he doesn't have to fucking go anywhere and go on these stupid whatever. Um, and so when I came back to Berlin, I was like, yeah, that that's basically what I want to create. I want to create this center point that people actually want to come to. The other thing is that I've just started to tell people this. I've been talking about this topic to people. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend today and I was like, why don't you just tell your friend? Like, cause last weekend, uh, last Friday, um, I'm just talking about her now on the podcast. I don't know. She, she probably will listen this far. Um, uh, she had friends at her place. I had friends at my place. Uh, and I was just like, you should just meet at my place. You and your friends just hang out at my place and mix with my friends. It's fine. Like, let's just, let's just all hang out. Um, and so this weekend we might try something a bit more integrated like that just like a more of a hangout vibe. Uh, so yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to engineer it so that it works for me in the best way possible. And of course it's not been a, sh- like, it's not like I just told all my friends this idea and they're like, Oh, that's great. Uh, I told a lot of people this idea and some people are just like, 
no, I like planning stuff. And some people just straight up didn't get it or just didn't care about it and just wanted to move on to a different topic. So I'm just trying to make it work somehow. Uh, another thing I'm doing, another thing I did, and this is a bit more of a plan, but it's like a mix. I decided to book a cabin in the woods for me and all my boys uh, in a few weeks. I was just like, so I basically said, hey, I, I into the WhatsApp group, I was like, hey, I'm going to book this cabin, uh, these dates. One Behind the scenes, I figured out what dates would work. Then when everyone was like, I'm free on those dates, I was like, hey, I'm booking this cabin. If you want to come, come between these dates uh, and let's just hang out, right? Just like four days of open hanging. And yeah, you just have to put the effort in yourself if you want to make it work. Yes, everyone has plans, but maybe they also don't like it, right? That's the thing. Not everyone actually likes this. Everyone, a lot of people just do things because they've got obligations. Okay. Um, This is a really interesting one from Victoria. This episode made me pause and think about the whole work-life balance thing. I'm turning 40 this year. Congratulations. And I've been struggling to find this balance ever since my kid was born. The work-life balance was never an issue in my 20s. I studied and was too busy to pick one major that would piss my... And and I was too busy to pick the one major that would piss my parents uh, off the most. I'm happy to say I succeeded. Try explaining a master's degree in art history to generations of psychiatrists. <laughs> um, my parents had no idea what I was doing in college. I was like, I'm going to go draw pictures. Uh, when I finished school, I worked all the time. The more I worked, the better I became. And the reward, wor- the reward was more work. And then I had my first kid. My maternity was way too short. Um, I wonder where you are from, Victoria, because in Germany, the m- maternity leave is if I'm not mistaken, uh, up to 18 months. Um, you can share that between the mother and the father or partner A and partner B. Don't get in trouble. Um, and it's really, yeah, it's really, really, really uh, like fair. Uh, people take actually a lot more time off in Germany. So anyway, sorry. When I finished school, blah, 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 my maternity leave was way too short and I came back to a promotion I didn't ask for. Nothing prepared me for how little I'd care about work once my kid was there. It all seemed so pointless. I felt I lost his first two years working for a company I suddenly couldn't care less about. When I had my second kid, it took me longer to get back to work. My brain just wasn't the same. I wasn't as sharp, quick, or confident. While I was going through these challenges, so were my friends. Some had kids and couldn't wait to get back to work. Some didn't have kids and didn't want to spend time around young parents. (laughs) I know that one. We gained some new friends who happened to live in the neighborhood and had kids as well, but these friendships were different. They were planned, respectful, and nothing like my relationships from the past. I wonder if this work-life balance is like a scale. At first, it tilts a bit towards work. Then, when you have kids, a mortgage, and a lot of responsibilities, it tilts towards home. As the kids become older and more independent, perhaps it tilts back towards work. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if it, first of all, thanks for sharing all of that. Um, I also have a kid and I know that that changes a lot uh, for people. I've also seen that here at AJ and Smart as people have children. Um, I think a lot, I don't know, at least 50% of the staff here have children. And I've been, I've been around for a lot of that. Not that I've actually been at the birth, but I've been running the company while um, people have had kids. And yeah, like, 
I think they're the majority of people who have kids here tend to mostly take a step back from like the hardcore work they were doing before. Um, and yes, it definitely tilts more towards life and, and kids and less towards work. And I think that's, um, I guess you're working for somebody and I am running my own business. So for me, that did not happen. Um, and for other entrepreneurs that I speak to, entrepreneurs like, you know, hardwired entrepreneurs tend to uh, stay very entrepreneurial uh, even after they have kids. Um, but definitely I will say, what I will say is that for me, after having a kid, I became less yeah i i just because i slept less i became more i became worse at my job for for quite a while so it definitely made me less sharp as you said um i mean i i'm also very lucky so when i had my first kid it was actually kind of crazy so in the same pretty much in the same month or or few weeks i had my kid and then my co-founder left and so i was running the company alone uh, and it was the that was that was 2018, I think, and then in 2019 was a fucking nightmare for me because I was running both the consulting business plus the um, uh, online course business. Plus, I had a kid. Plus, I wasn't sleeping. Plus, you know, kids are sick all the time. It was fucking crazy. Even even though like Germany has amazing maternity and paternity leave um laws i had to still run the business so uh yeah it's a very very different experience to for me but i think it does make a difference um depend it depends like if you know maybe maybe i'll put it like this this is this is just a theory if you don't love your job and it's not like a huge important part of your life uh when you have a kid it probably becomes more obvious that it's not real and not important and it's just like you're just doing something for someone else that you don't care about um if it is a very important part of your life if it's a deeply integrated part of your life as it is for me uh having a kid did not change my relationship with work but it made me worse at it <laughs> and it made me more distracted so that's that's my and that's okay that that's what happens right i think that is what happens um if you at least it is what i've observed is that it it takes a lot of energy i don't know how in the u.s people go back to work like especially women you know after having a kid going back to work after like two weeks i couldn't when i visit the u.s and i hear the maternity like laws and how quickly people go back to work i'm just like what the fuck <laughs> like I know people who are like off work for like three years here in Germany. Now I'm not saying that they go right back to work and everything's great and everything's normal, but they do get a lot, a lot of time to hang out with the kids. Enough time to also realize I want to go back to work. <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe the maternity leave where you are is not as um sorry, I'm hearing some noise. Maybe it's this cable. Or maybe it's my mouth going. Yeah, maybe the maternity leave's just too short. Uh, yeah, in Europe, it's... Well, in Germany and, and Northern Europe, it's amazing. So it's hard for me to comment exactly on that, but I really appreciate you sharing. 
It's a great, great, uh, great comment. And it's different for everybody, as they say, you know, that's what they say. So yeah, a lot of, lot of topics triggered by last week's podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm tired. I think I'm going to, I think I'm done. I think I'm going to go. Uh, I think I'm I'm going to get done with this. Like I mentioned, if you enjoyed this podcast, not necessarily this one particularly, but this open-ended, the, the unscheduled CEO. If you enjoyed the unscheduled CEO, uh, please share it. Please do let people know about it. It's the behind the scenes of a CEO running a business. It's real and raw. Real and raw. As raw as it gets. And uh, yeah, just share it, let people know about it. And if you have a question, if you have a comment, it also helps, you know, it helps me get some content for the episode. This is the only place you can ask me questions unless you're in our higher tier programs um, like Workshop or Master, which, you know, are expensive. But if you want to have a question answered by me for free, then write into this podcast by going to howtobusiness.substack.com and comment on the latest episode. And yeah, you can ask anything about running a business, growing a business, um, the topics we've been talking about today. Uh, Next week, well, let's see. Maybe I'll have a topic. Maybe we'll talk about uh, selfishness and getting what you want. Uh, And that's, uh, I think think we're good. I'm looking forward to hearing this back. I'm curious how this mic sounded. I was holding it a lot, so it probably was a bit all over the place in terms of uh, loudness. But yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Unscheduled CEO podcast. I'm looking for the music here. And turn that one up here. And I'll see you next week. Thanks so much, everybody. (laughs) 